you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It is Tuesday, November 21st, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of today's special guest. He's the pride of the capital city. No, not Washington, D.C. That's me. No, he's the pride of Ottawa, the capital city of Canada. He's the pride of the Lions, the Red Lions, of Red Lion Christian Academy in Bear, Delaware. He's the pride of the Bruins, the UCLA Bruins. He's the pride of the Bills, the Buffalo Bills. And today, he's the pride of this show because we are so honored and thankful to welcome Ely Anku to the pod. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, man. I'm really glad to be here. Hey, listen, first of all, just a little piece of business. Congratulations on Sunday's victory uh, over the Jets. I know you were given the day off today, which makes us even more grateful for your time. Quickly on the Bills, can I assume that you will tell me that rumors of Buffalo's demise are greatly exaggerated? I mean, look, man, we're just uh, we're doing our best over here, man. You know, uh, we got a really tight group of guys. Uh, everyone's really gelled together. And it's no different than when, when camp started. I mean, you know, the, the, the culture in the locker room is definitely one of those things that, you know, when I first got here that I, I could really tell was different from a lot of places. So, you know, I'm just really excited about where this is all going. Um, you know, we're gelling together. Yesterday was a, a really good performance. Obviously, some things to work on, but that that's football, man, and, and we're really excited. You are somebody who is uniquely qualified to answer this question because – I did a little research on your life, and your life has been about you have been of service to other people. You're an extraordinarily talented person, and you have a brilliant life all to yourself, and yet you haven't lived that way. You have been about sharing. You have been about giving. You've been about giving back. I should think that stories that are greater than self really resonate with you. We're about to tell one, but very quickly, tell me how nice it is to have DeMar Hamlet back in the unit, back in the squad, as part of your defensive unit on that team. It is, uh, you know, it's funny. I think for me, it was that first practice, uh, seeing him in pads and uh, just just watching him stand there. You know, he was standing there in front of me. It's probably a moment that'll go forgotten, you know, by anyone else. But for me, it was a moment that struck me. I was like, you know, for, for a very brief moment, we had a very scary time uh, concerning DeMar. And, and to see him thrive, to see him do his thing, and, and to see the person he's becoming, you know, given all of these circumstances, it's uh, it's truly something for me to see. And, uh, you know, he serves as a lot of inspiration for myself and, and a lot of the guys in the locker room. So um, nothing but respect for my for my wonderful teammate, DeMar. Man. Really appreciate you sharing that. Thank you for, for answering that one. Listener, I am your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. And today's show was inspired by an extraordinary story, a story that has nothing to do with football, if I'm being honest, just the abiding compassion of a football player. It is a story that strikes chords of sorrow and loss in Ili Anku, anger and frustration, helplessness too, but also a deep connection to his culture. Ely, please, if you will, tell us a little bit about your heritage. Tell us about your mother, Nicole. 
Absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I actually grew up um, with, with a bunch of different cultures uh, gelled together. Uh, my dad is a West African. He's from Togo. And my mother is uh, indigenous um, and Caucasian as well uh, from Canada. Um, on her indigenous side, it's, it's coming from my grandmother's side, and that's from Doki's First Nation. Uh, she's Ojibwe. And, um, you know, growing up, it's always been a big part of who we were as children. It's my brother, my sister, and I, um, you know, coming up as, as children. And, um, you know, that's, that's always been uh, a big part of who we've become. Um, a, lot of the, a, lot, a lot of the values that we were raised with is something I want to eventually, you know, one day when I have kids of my own, uh, instill into them. You know, it's something that's very uh, uh, important to me. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Northern uh, Ontario, very small town um, in, in Field, Ontario is where my mother grew up. And um, it's just down the road from uh, Lake Nipissing, which is right where you'll find uh, Doki's First Nation. Listener, I'm using this show really as a platform to amplify a show that I really, really want you to circle and watch. It's tonight on NFL Network. It's NFL 360. And there is a story to come that Ely and I are going to get into. But in this story, your mother is is featured in the story, Ely. And she tells the story of insisting that you attend your first native dance. Uh, you were no more than maybe five or six years old. And she talks about how important it was to her that you see and hear and feel what happened there. Can you report back on what you did see, what you did hear and what you did feel? Absolutely. Um, as a kid, it, this doesn't really hit you with, with the reality that, that there's a, a deeper a deeper feeling, you know, underlying feeling. As a child, you're kind of more, uh, I want to say innocent to the facts of, you know, whatever is happening around you. So I kind of just knew it. You know, my brother, my sister and I, we kind of just knew this experience as just something that was, right? And going to powwows, going to gatherings and celebrations of our culture were just uh, just a fact of the day, you know, a fact of the matter. Um, and so for us, uh, you know, it's it's something that we, we definitely knew was something we need to celebrate, but it wasn't until I, I grew up um, as, as an adult, as a, as, as a man, and started really understanding the values um, that, that were instilled into us by my mother uh, from an early age. Um, something about giving, uh, I think that's a big part of our culture and something that's that you'll notice a lot at a powwow is the act of giving. Um, when you are giving to someone, it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of love. That's how we show our love. Um, when you notice the powwow is uh, the, the architecture, if you will, is it's in a circle. It represents life. It represents uh, the stillness and the chaos all at the same time. And so, you know... That's something that's become very integral um, in our lives. Uh, and, and again, this is, this is something that we just see as a fact of the matter. So there's definitely a lot of, of components uh, about, um, you know, indigenous culture that, that really transcends a lot of, you know, Western ideologies that we may have. And uh, I think it's, it, it can serve us a, a very good lesson for us to kind of reach out to and, and kind of learn from. Ely, I get a sense there's a greater appreciation for respect for, maybe connection to nature, to Mother Earth amongst Native people than any other people I have ever studied. There's a sense also that the spirits of those who came before never actually leave. People who have been are in a real way. Am I overstating that? Absolutely not, man. It's, uh, you know, it's funny because I can remember vividly 
it, and it's almost every time, almost every time you go to a powwow, um, you'll notice a bald eagle flying over the event. And, you know, for me, I don't know if, if it's the drums, if it's the, the spirituality coming from, from the people collectively or what it, what it is, but, you know, there's a lot of symbolism there. Um, you know, an animal that is free, an animal that is strong. Uh, a matter of fact, it, we, we recognize it as in America as, as an extremely strong animal. It, it represents a lot. And so, you know, when, when you kind of see that flying over your head every single time, as the drum beats and it kind of resonates through your whole body, man, it's, uh, it's definitely something that can, can really touch somebody and, uh, and, and make them feel whatever it may be. You know, um, you can interpret the world around you how you want. You can see the world. You know, everybody sees the leaves on the trees differently. But one thing that's a reality is there's definitely something um, that you can feel within your body, within your core when you go to a powwow. Listener Ely Anku's mother's heritage is Ojibwe. They are indigenous peoples of southern Canada and northern Midwestern United States and the Northern Plains. Ojibwe, the second most populous tribe amongst what we call the First Nations, exceeded only by the Cree. I don't know if there's, uh, I don't know if there's, there's competition there between Ojibwe and Cree. That may be uh, a conversation for another day. But one of the meanings of the word Ojibwe is those who keep records. And Ely, it is with that in mind that I want to turn now to the story one that I strongly encourage our listeners to watch on tonight's NFL 360. That's 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. The story is called Gone, and it tells the story of a young woman named Hannah Harris, a citizen of the Northern Cheyenne, who was 21 when she went missing on July 4, 2013. She left to watch the Independence Day fireworks in a nearby town of Lame Deer, Montana, and never returned home. I came home and things just fell off for me. And that's when I asked her, where's my sister? And I just kind of had like, like a weird sense. They see my daughter's car parked up at Muddy Creek and it was um, just on the side of the road and I had a flat tire. Hannah Harris was a daughter. She was a grandchild. She was a sister. She was a mother to a young son. It wasn't like her to just not have any communication at all. And they did not have a very good explanation as to where Hannah went, how they left Hannah. They had the keys to my daughter's car. It is important to know that Hannah Harris was not and is not alone. In 2020, 5,203 indigenous women and girls were reported missing in one year. Ely, I can barely deliver this information without brimming with emotion. 5,203 women and girls in one year missing. These are staggering numbers. They are heartbreaking, and they are unacceptable. 
Think about those numbers, listener. Wherever we reach you today, listener, whatever part of the country you hail from or have landed in, whatever state, whatever demographic, whatever your politics, whatever your spiritual stance, there is no community I can think of that wouldn't react with ferocity and commitment and perhaps most of all with speed to deal with a missing persons crisis of that proportion affecting their community. And yet... Ely, can you explain why this is happening and maybe why it continues to happen at such an alarming rate in native populations? Is nothing being done about it? Would it be overstating it to say that native people are, in some ways, perhaps in many ways, a forgotten people? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to, to answer that by starting with a simple statement, right? That any one of those women or girls could be your mother, your sister, your, your wife, your child, any one person in your life um, that you may deem important, may not, whatever it may be. But you need to understand that these aren't simply just statistics. And something that Ryan, uh, the director of the film, did a very good job at conveying with Gone is that this isn't just a, a statistical, you know, something we're just throwing out. These are real stories, real people dealing with with real issues. I would say that this stems a lot from, from different, you know, different reasons. A, it could be uh, uh, a difficulty with dealing with different jurisdictions, whether you're dealing with uh, police on the reservation or off. You have to understand that these communities are recognized as sovereign nations within the United States and Canada. They have rule sets of their own. However, there is a real situation with people taking advantage of the logistical difficulties um, in order to commit crimes, in order to uh, commit atrocities on vulnerable people. We recognize that within society, there is, there is a real vulnerability here for, namely, girls. These, these are, are impressionable young people. Uh, these are people who are at a certain stage of development. And now we're talking about women as well, who, again, in society, and I don't wanna just say in, in my culture, but women are a sign of strength in society. They carry us for nine months. They put us out into the world. They nurture us and help us become the people that we become. And so to simply let them go, to simply let this go by and, and kind of let it happen is something we simply cannot do any longer. And I think, again, this film does a very good job of conveying this and conveying the importance of educating ourselves and also reaching out and, and hopefully changing some things uh, legislation-wise, or maybe it's resources supporting families who are affected by this. But either way, to stand by idly, to stand by and not do any, anything about it would be the biggest crime for me and to simply just let it go. That's why it's become such a big uh, mission for my fiance Shana and I, along with our nonprofit, in order to attack this. This is not something you simply let go by. You attack this, just like you would anything else. And I think that's a, the first step that we can take in order to A, mitigate the situation, and B, let people who were affected by this be able to heal. Because when a young girl or a woman goes missing, or murdered or abused, they're not the only person being affected, right? You have a host of other people 
who are relying on them emotionally, right? Dealing with the aftermath, picking up the pieces. There's an entire community dealing with this. And so this is something that I deem very important um, in order to, to be able to advance ourselves as a society. I see it on TV all the time when somebody goes missing, yeah. They get on it right away and they get investigators. We don't have that here. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast, and today we are honored to be joined by Bill's defensive end, Ely Anku. We are having the very worst and the very best kind of discussion today, one that shouldn't be necessary, and yet one that needs to be had, and we'll continue having it right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to a special edition of NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Bill's defensive end, Ely Anku. And today we are proud to promote tonight's NFL 360, featuring a story close to Ely's heart. The story is called Gone. But do not let the tense fool you. Gone is not past tense. It is present. It is not over. It is ongoing to this very day, to this very minute in time. We've seen it so much on the reservation. We're going to scream. We're going to shout. We're going to do whatever it takes to get justice for my sister. Native women, listener, are murdered at a rate 10 times higher than the national average. Three out of four Native women experience violence at some point in their lives, particularly sexual violence. These are shocking statistics. But those numbers cannot be allowed to live on a page as just numbers because every number as Ely so eloquently told us before the break, is a life, a loss, an experience, a trauma, creating yet another in a long, unbroken line of generational traumas suffered by Native peoples in the U.S. and in Canada. Ely, you and your fiancé, Shana, are doing something about it. You intimated, you hinted at it before the break, but I'd really like you to go into detail now if you can. Please tell us about the Dreamcatcher Foundation. Absolutely, man. Um... So the Dreamcatcher Foundation, it stems really from Shana and I trying to educate ourselves about our own culture, right? It would be something to say that I knew everything and I knew about every issue surrounding my community from an early age, but that's simply not true. However, something that I was able to do uh, along with Shana is to educate ourselves, right? And so this, this moment happened for us uh, during college. Uh, we took a few classes on Indigenous studies and and the more we started really looking at empirical evidence, the more we started realizing that there are a few, a few epidemics affecting our community. And so the issue of MMIW happened to be one of those. Uh, and that is why we made it our mission uh, to, to call attention to these issues. Um, so we started real quickly, and I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I want to make sure that listener, when you hear Ely say MMIW, MMIW stands for missing 
and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. It is a, an acronym that you should commit to memory because this is an issue that is, as I said, this is not a former thing. This is not a past that we are dealing with, the wreckage of. No, this is present. It is ongoing. It is happening to this day, to this minute. Murdered and missing indigenous women and girls, and Ili Anku and his fiance Shana have made this a pillar of their foundation called the Dreamcatcher Foundation. Sorry, Ely, please pick it up there. Uh, why, why Dreamcatcher? Is that of particular uh, importance to you? Yes. The Dreamcatcher, yes. Uh, just the significance of the Dreamcatcher. Uh, the Dreamcatcher, as was told by my mother and her mother, my grandmother, it's essentially everybody kind of knows it. It's a circular uh, web uh, made out of deer hide. It can be made out of any sort of material. Uh, found a lot in, in uh, indigenous uh, uh, tradition. Now, the purpose of a dream catcher, you'll find a few beads, you'll find a few uh, items within the web to absorb. You put it up on your window and you're supposed to just let it capture the bad spirits, capture the bad dreams that may wander into your home. So you're supposed to sleep at night very sound. You're supposed to sleep with uh, a full, peaceful mind. Now, at the, in the morning, you shake it off, you let the bad dreams go, and a new day starts. And so that's something that <clears throat> we found was important in terms of symbolism with uh, our foundation. Uh, we made it uh, in conjunction with Athletes and Causes. Uh, it's, a, uh, again, a, a someone helping us with uh, nonprofit work based out of uh, Central Florida. Um, they helped us create what is now known as the Dreamcatcher Foundation. And so ever since then, it's been a mission for us to do uh, specific events, whether that was to have uh, football camps, bike distribution for certain communities, because as you know, Shana is a professional cyclist. Her whole family is very well known within the cycling community, especially in the United States of America. We found it very important to want to spread uh, athletics, sports, you know, something for kids to do, something to aspire for and, and to want to wanna be active for. And so on top of that, it was to call attention to, yes, the issues of uh, MMIWG, as we just spoke about a second ago here. I would implore you to please make time for tonight's NFL 360, 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network for the extraordinary story of Hannah Harris. The story is called Gone, and in a moment, I'll welcome the producer and director of that incredible piece of film to the set. His name is Ryan Travis. You heard Ely name check him moments ago, and he's got a room filled with Emmys for a reason. The expanse of tonight's film is so impressive. I had to find out how our friends over at NFL 360 were able to pull it off. But technical details aside, the reason we did the story to begin with has much to do with the passion of today's special guest, Ely Anku, who launched the Dreamcatcher Foundation with his fiancée, Shana Palace in 2019. Ely, I never realized how significant the structural limitations are to protecting and policing native lands in this country. You hinted at it a little bit earlier, but if you wouldn't mind putting a finer point on it, it simply does not work the way we are used to it working in other more sort of traditional, more familiar small communities in the United States. Explain to me just what a hurdle protecting and policing people within these native lands is. Absolutely. Um, something that I do uh, discuss within the film, um, if, if you're so inclined to, you know, anybody out there wanting to watch it, it's something that I do uh, speak about. And it's the fact that a lot of these communities aren't necessarily on the grid, if you will. Uh, these are communities that are out in the wilderness. They're out 
in the country. And so you're not necessarily going to find, again, radio towers, uh, cell phone towers, anything that helps, you know, gel together and make a very uh, coherent or, or, you know, a, a policing department that's, that's prepared for immediate action or action that's they're able to do something about something happening within the community on a, on a moment's notice. And so something you'll find is just a barren landscape. And within that, you have to also notice that there are different hurdles affecting on top of this. It's, it's more of a, uh, it's a compounding effect. You know, this paired with the fact that there's different police departments uh, jockeying for position on A, resources, or B, uh, jurisdiction on certain areas, it becomes a, a big hurdle for people to try and maneuver in order to get stuff done, especially a story like we just uh, uh, spoke about here with uh, Hannah Harris. Hannah Harris's grandmother tells the story of how the disappearance of her granddaughter affected her. She said, Eli, I know you remember this quote, from then on, it was like I wasn't here. I had no emotion. I didn't have anything. I gave her a hug. And from then on, it was like, I wasn't here. And I think in some ways, you can answer this, I cannot. In some ways, that line, it was like I wasn't even here, speaks to the larger effect of being underserved in a community that is isolated, that is remote, that is under constant threat of what you spoke about earlier, disproportional rates of alcoholism and violence, desolation and deprivation. When Hannah's grandmother says, like I wasn't even here, I wonder if she speaks for how many Native people feel. It's, uh, I vividly remember watching the film for the first time and that line almost breaking me because you're dealing with something so traumatic with someone so close to you. And again, like we spoke about earlier, this could be anyone close to you. And here is a grandmother who it's just another day for her, right? She has to deal with the reality that her granddaughter, a mother in her own right, is missing. And to find out that something tragic, and tragic is a very light word that I'm using here for the sake of us discussing here on, on a public platform, but there's, there's nothing, there's nothing simply, you know, it didn't happen. It, some, someone made it happen. Someone, this, this was a very vile act and she knew her grandmother knew her grandmother had to witness every step of this process until having to deal with the fact that this person found was indeed her granddaughter. Now the words like I wasn't even here is something that resonates with me because you're dissociating yourself completely from the situation because you don't want to deal with the reality that something as mundane as going out for a simple event and coming back could turn into something so disastrous. And so I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of elements um, that she speaks about that, again, resonate with me, um, as well as her whole family. You know, something that truly 
broke my heart, but also gave me hope was A, seeing her whole family have to pick up the pieces and raising her child and seeing him, you know, speak about his mother and, and, and honoring her in a way that she was, she was a very well-respected person within her community and seeing how, you know, his view of her is, is so full of light and full of um, positivity, I think is a very good thing. Um, again, this is all something you can definitely see in the film and, and Ryan did an extremely fine job with representing everyone in a, in a very good light and in a way that truly brings this issue to the forefront. You mentioned Hannah's son. Hannah's son actually tells a story in the film that you will see tonight, listener, on NFL 360, 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. Her son tells the story of the eagle circling overhead that you yourself mentioned earlier today, Eli, in this conversation, uh, and how important an image that is for him to feel this ongoing, this living, this organic, real, breathing, pulsating connection with his mom. Ely, where do we go from here? Where do you go from here? How does the difficulty of this journey not rob from you the energy and the enthusiasm you need to take this journey? Well, I'd like to express my gratitude to the families who were affected by this for being able to a deal with the amount of trauma this has dealt them, the, the traumatic blow but also having the strength to push this and, and make this go front and center and not let it go, not let it simply disappear and kind of go back to the background and never be spoken about again. These are extremely strong people. These are people who are wanting to bring this uh, to the forefront. And so for that, they have nothing but my respect. As someone doing what I do, you know, I it's, it's weird because sometimes I do have imposter syndrome, right? I, I'm not directly dealing with this issue. I, I'm simply using my platform to try and elevate these voices, make these voices be heard. And I think that's something that my fiance and I have been working tirelessly uh, with our, our nonprofit in order to do. And so I think the next step is to A, have discourse, have conversation. This is an issue that not many people know about, right? And so the first step the first step is to put it out there, put it out there. People want to help inherently. People, I like to believe, can be inherently good. And so when we hear a story like this and we're able to empathize with someone in their situation, I think the very little bit we can do is be able to talk about it. And so that's, that's the main, the main thing here. After that, I think it's a very good idea to try and reach legislation that will affect, affect these uh, events with a real, uh, a real result. And so uh, that's pretty much where, where I'm at at the moment. It's, it's amplifying these voices, letting them be heard, right? A, a person desperately, desperately crying out for help. Eventually that help needs to come that help needs to come and they need to be heard and action must be taken uh, thereon. 
Ely, I will think about Hannah Harris every time I look at the dream catcher that Gracie and I, my wife and I have on the back window of our home. I will also think about all of you, you and your fiance, Shana included, on May 5th. Last question today, tell us, explain to us, help us understand why we should think about May 5th differently going forward. Absolutely. Um, that is the day that we recognize um, as uh, the day for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and uh, the situation for Hannah. Uh, again, this is a day that within our community is recognized as you know, something of an importance. And so when May 5th rolls around, and it doesn't necessarily need to be just on May 5th, it can be at any point in time, but there's definitely a special emphasis on it on May 5th, is to bring attention to this so that the story of Hannah and the multiple thousands of other stories don't fall on deaf ears and we can do something about this listener please watch nfl 360 tonight on nfl network ilianku brings to us the story of hannah harris it is a story of true crime of living history of love and loss of pride and pain of a people who never forget and yet are at risk of being forgotten it is the story of a young woman named hannah harris who, like so many of her fellow Native women and girls, was there one day, and the next day, she was gone. It's been happening generation after generation after generation for us. Tough warrior women have to step up and start voicing ourselves and our stories because we want the world to know that our lives matter too. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap, fresh, green, Irish shop now at a store near you. Ilianku, Bill's defensive end and co-founder of the Dreamcatcher Foundation. This has been a very important day for me. You have brought me to emotion with the story that you have presented. I'm brimming with emotion this entire interview. Listener, as you can hear, please forgive me for that. It is on behalf of something that, Ely, I'm so very, very grateful that you have brought to my attention and to our attention. Thank you so much for amplifying voices that were silenced. We so respect and, uh, and we're so grateful for your time. Andrew, thank you very much uh, for your time as well. Um, thank you. You are listening to a special edition of NFL Total Access, the podcast. Today I am sounding the trumpet call to watch tonight's NFL 360 featuring a story called Gone. That is 8 p.m. Eastern time on NFL Network, NFL 360 Gone, about a young woman named Hannah Harris, a member of the Northern Cheyenne who went missing in Montana back in 2013. Hers is a story that we need to hear because it is a story that isn't being told of Native women and girls who go missing by the thousands every single year. The director and producer of this extraordinary film joins us now. Ryan Travis is his name, nicknamed the Emmy Smuggler. Uh, I don't throw that out unadvisedly. Uh, I asked him moments before we started recording. 
Yeah, Ryan, remind me, how many Emmys do you have? His response, listener, was something along the lines of, oh, um, and that's all I needed to know. Oh, um, so many that he doesn't actually know the number? That's all you need to know. Ryan, this story is told on a dizzying scale of both time and place. Over 10 years, over thousands of miles, over two countries, and over all of it was your watchful eye and extraordinary vision. Congratulations, first of all, for this remarkable piece. Uh, Ryan, decades ago, a man named Leon Uris wrote a book about Ireland titled A Terrible Beauty, which I find to be an apt description of what we will see on tonight's NFL 360, 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network, this beautiful but desolate area that you canvassed in the telling of this story. How challenging a project was this to pull off? I mean, you said it so beautifully. I mean, it, it, it was a huge challenge and, and a little daunting at first, right? Because it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to get this wrong. And there's, there's, uh, you need to, the story needs to be told in a way where people are going to respond, right? Because nobody's listening. And, and, you know, so there's so many things going through your head. How, how do you make it, scale enough where you can talk about the big numbers, but also make it personal enough where people can kind of connect to it as a storyteller, as a person, as a human, right? You know, and I think one of the, uh, the most important things for me is that, you know, a viewer like you, whoever is going to watch this, that you can watch this and connect with it and be like, hey, I have a son that's 10 years old, you know, imagine what that would be like if that was him, you know? So I think if you bring it down to a personal level, you know, you have all these crazy numbers and you bring it down to a single family and what it did to that family alone, right? Those five, six, eight people. And it's devastating. And it's just absolutely devastating. You know, with all that in mind, um, I had a, uh, a plan, you know, once, once Evie was on board, who you guys spoke to, who's just amazing. And we kind of did his interview first and he sort of teed us up. And as you see in the film, we're weaving these two things together, right? His story and Hannah's story. And he almost acts as the storyteller or narrator in a sense, right? Because his story is so personally connected, but it's also, he's kind of giving us some top level stuff because he's so well-versed in this and his, his foundation is doing so many great things that I, that was kind of the perfect way to weave these two things together. But, you know, we spent, what, almost eight months shooting this, you know, traveling all over the country, as you mentioned, um, very remote areas. You know, we, we were in Ottawa, but then we went also to the reservation there, which is six and a half hours north to North Canada in the middle of nowhere. And it's so beautiful when you get there. It's quiet. It's amazing. It, it's this beautiful place. Um, but there's also this devastating thing that's happening in all of these places. And, and as a filmmaker, it was trying to capture both of those things, right? The beauty of the place and the culture, but also the sadness and the darkness that's happening. And I think it, I think it really comes across in, in the filmmaking and the visuals and the storytelling. You, you feel how remote it is. And, and, and speaking to somebody who's in a city or, or you know, uh, imagining not having cell service, right? I mean, there's not a lot of people that you, you just can't imagine that. Like, how do you not, because it's so, people are so connected. And so I wanted to make sure people could understand there's still places that don't, that don't have that, you know, and that's a problem. But I know it's kind of a long-winded answer, but that, that that's kind of, you know, the, the top level of, of all of those things. And then also keeping it authentic, you know, and making it real to, to the people that we're, we're telling. No, not long-winded at all. Just like the piece, uh, perfect, your answer. And I, I, I honestly, you have to know, Ryan, that 
you know, we walk these halls, the same halls together, and we pass each other, and, hey, what's up, man? And, you know, you give me a, hey, what's up? You're off to do your thing, and I'm off to do mine. But uh, you need to know, as a colleague and somebody who shares the same space in this, you know, this sports world that we, that we occupy together, that I am so very humbled and proud to be in the same building as people like yourselves who are telling stories like this. I think that sometimes what we do, what I do, speaking only for myself, you know, registers as a little bit flat, as a little bit shallow, a little bit hollow, you know, lacking a little bit of gravitas. Man, you are the balance point for that around here, telling stories like this. I'm just so very grateful as your colleague that you're doing that for us because you really are elevating all of us by doing what you are doing, Ryan. I was enchanted watching, thinking about how much I would like to be in a place like that, whether it was Montana or whether it was in Canada. And of course, watching the piece, you're reminded constantly at the perils of living in a place like that. And of course, there is no filming challenge presented to you that rises to the standard of the daily challenge met by the Native peoples living in areas like this, specifically the challenge of facing the fears of seeing women and girls go missing every single day. Ryan, this is a tough one to answer, but I should think that the emotional component of this project was ultimately much more taxing than the physical. Well, of course, you know, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for the compliment. I mean, it, it's, I think Ely says it best. I mean, we're, if we can use our platform to help tell these stories in any way, you know, we should. And, and, and luckily on our show, NFL 360, you know, we're, we're, we're granted the, the ability to do that. And most of our stories are bigger than football. That's kind of our tagline. And we're, you know, just trying to shed a light in the places where there is no light. And as you mentioned, this is one of those, you know, but beyond the getting to the places and being out in the middle of nowhere and, and, and you know, and just an antidote of being there. It's like, I remember up in Canada, we finally got there at six and a half hours and it's like shooting sunset and you're just in the middle of nowhere and it's, it's kind of raining, but we're still filming and then it stops and it's just quiet and beautiful and just stunning and we're just filming the sun going down you're like wow like how i mean this is just amazing and then and then you go you know and and, and going to talk to hannah and her family was was heartbreaking you know i mean it you being in the room you prep yourself you, you're getting ready for the questions you you know and, and my producer lisa who co-producer who was with me on this had done a lot of the pre-conversations with uh grandma and and the family and stuff and you just don't know what to expect when you get there. And, and and hearing them tell their stories, you could tell they hadn't been able to tell it. You know, they 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 wanted to, to to tell their story because they hadn't been heard. And so for me, I'm just trying to kind of stay out of the way, right? And just try to let them tell me what they're feeling and, and just trying to hold myself together. And, you know, obviously think of the story points and the things that I need maybe at the end, but I try to just give them a platform to tell me what happened, what they were feeling and what needs to change and what their, their concerns are. And I think the result is pretty, pretty emotional stuff. And it's very taxing to, to then have all of that and then try to make it a film out of it. Right. Which, which is a hard thing to do as well. And you don't want to leave things out and, we had a great, an, another great co-producer, a uh, friend of mine, Jeremy Charles, who's a great indigenous filmmaker. He's based in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he came with us a, as a producer as well. And just someone from that community who could kind of help us make sure we're getting those things right too, right? Um, and making it authentic and making sure we're not stepping into the typical Hollywood tropes, right? And doing things that 
you know, someone from, from that area just doesn't know. So that was super important for me. And he's a, a trusted person in my past who, who, who's from that community and, and from there. And it was just amazing to have him as well help. And he really did help guide us kind of in things we shouldn't be doing or saying, and, and even editorially as well, making sure we kind of had those little small things right too. But I think the film as a whole, it's really the emotional connection to this family and the loss, I think is what to me is the most impactful part of it. Ryan, I was telling Ely, I said, you know, this is a story that I wish wasn't necessary to tell. And yet it is a story that we have to tell and we have to hear. Listener, I implore you to watch tonight on NFL Network, NFL 360. There is an epidemic in North America. It is not viral. It is violence. Missing and murdered indigenous women and girls are going missing by the thousands every single year. One of those women, just a girl, when she went missing at the age of 21, Hannah Harris. She is the focus of a story, an extraordinary story, brought to us by director and producer Ryan Travis. The story is called Gone on tonight's NFL 360. Watch it. Record it. Rewatch it. Play it for your families on Thanksgiving night after the games are done. This should start a conversation within your soul, and it should start a conversation within our communities. Something is happening here that we are not aware of and that we need to do more on behalf of. Ryan Travis, thank you so much for bringing it into the light where it needs to be so that we can look at it, feel the effects it has on us, and God damn it, do something about it. Ryan, thank you for your time today. Hey, thank you so much, Andrew. Appreciate it. And get out there and watch it. And, you know, it's important. So I want to thank today's very special guests, Ryan Travis and Ely Anku, for their time, for their stories, for their passion and their truth. And I want to invite the listener to join us tomorrow. We have some Thanksgiving Day games to get to, a trio of games, three of them on Thursday. And then we've got a Black Friday for the first time game on Friday. We're going to turn the page a little bit, talk about some football. That's tomorrow. Who wins? How do they do it? All that jazz. But for now, watch tonight, NFL 360, 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. Thank you so much for your time. Till we meet again, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.